listening to the New Mamas Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Melissa Perch about pursuing your dreams as a working mom, specifically practical tips in how to pursue side hustles and passions and make your dreams come true. I know that was a little cheesy, but I had to put that in there. She's a high school English teacher turned published author, and she's also a mom of three and a fire captain's wife. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to talk to you and hopefully give some great advice to your audience of new mamas. Yes, so exciting. There's no denying that being a mother is a full-time job in itself. But when you add your own career on top of that, where do you find the time to pursue side hustles? And Melissa, you've experienced this firsthand and you've learned a thing or two through the process. Tell us more about that. It's definitely a journey. You're going to have many bumps in the road. And I think you need to just embrace it and know that it's not going to be smooth sailing. But if you're a mom, you know that's life (laughs) and you're more resilient than you think and tougher. Moms are tough. Yes. Understatement. And I think a lot of moms forget how tough they are. It's very humbling coming home with that newborn. And it's never what you expect it's going to be. Even if it's hard, you expect certain things like the lack of sleep and not having time, which we'll talk about. But then there's also mental health, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. I feel like these are things we don't necessarily expect. And navigating all of that in the first year, I was just talking to another mom about this, like the first year of having a, a child is really hard, especially your first, because you really, really don't know what you're what you're doing. It changes everything. It changes your marriage. It changes the way you navigate at work. If you're a full-time mom, it, it really does... It, it just completely, it completely rocked my world. My first son I brought home and like most people, most new moms, I thought, oh my gosh, what did I, this is what I wanted, but what did I do to my life? I really pulled the rug out from under myself and I was, I was really lost. I think the positive thing is that we are talking about this more now. Moms are being honest about how tricky this is. And yeah, mental health is, is health. I always say that. And that's something that for sure can suffer. And, you know, many times throughout your motherhood journey, not just that first year. Oh, yeah. You're so right. As There's so many different stages of hard. And then there's stages of easy, too. So I feel like just like life, there's going to be those peaks and valleys. And just understanding that if you are going through a hard time, it's temporary. Which is, I guess, always putting that in your mind. This is going to be, it sounds like an easy question, but it's also the hardest question. How do you find the time? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, first of all, you have to really, I think when you're going for a dream and you're going for a goal, I think it's important to connect it to the thing that you love the most, to the people that you would never let down so that in your mind, it's not a question of taking time away from that, those things and those people, but it's more of doing it with them in mind so that we can get rid of some of that mom guilt that we have when we do anything for ourselves. So that was one of the first, I think, mind shifts for me when I started to sit down and write this book and and say, this is what I want to do. I connected it right to my kids. I think that helped me find the time because I felt like if I don't take the time to do this, how am I going to tell my kids, which is what we all want as moms, to go for their biggest dreams, that they are capable, that they can win in life and that they can be successful. 
successful unless we model it. We know we've heard a million times, they learn more by watching us than they do by us telling them what to do. So I really made a commitment to not only my three children, but also to the students that I teach that I'm going to do this to prove to them that they can live their biggest dream. So I think that's part of the making time is connecting it to the things you are already (laughs) making a lot of time for. And now this is just one more thing you can gift them is going for something for you to show them it can be done. And then you've got to figure out, okay, so my morning, for me, it was, am I a morning person? Am I a night person? When am I going to find the extra energy? Because it does take some extra energy that, you know, there's no, there's no avoiding that. It's going to take a little bit more, but hopefully it will fill you up and it will fill your cup so that you'll be excited to get to that part in the day, whether it's waking up early to do it. Or for me, it was when my kids settled down for the night or I was lying in the, you know, in one of their rooms waiting for them to fall asleep. I would just start with the light of my laptop, you know, start typing away, or I would, I would read and do some of the work the background work that I knew I needed to do in order to write the book. So that's how I carved out the time. I I really figured out what works best for me. I found myself also when, you know, we're at a lot of activities with our kids these days too. I found that while I'm sitting there at a lacrosse practice, it's okay to sit in my car and do something for myself. I don't need to always be the mom on the sideline or be the mom at the practice, walking up and down, chatting with other moms. That's great if it fills your cup. But for me, that was golden time to work on my dream. I love that. I was going to ask you, like, what did your day look like? And when did you actually found the time to do it. There are these little pockets of time and also understanding that you're not going to write your book in one sitting. Right. Right. Like nothing you do that you have a passion towards, whether it's a side hustle or passion, it's not going to happen in just one day. I like to say that, like when I was building this podcast, I really built it one hour, one, one to two hours at a time. I would stay up late. So after my son went to bed, that's when I found the extra hour or two between like eight and 10 to just work on it, whether it was doing research or working on branding or creating audio graphics or write all the things that go into creating anything and and just being patient and trusting the process. It's very easy to give up when you don't see the results right away. And I think that goes for anything. I love that. I love that practical advice. Now, when you were writing your book, did you ever have that fear of failure and maybe not explicitly, but how did you navigate that? I think when you are going for it, right? When you're going for your biggest dream or when you're putting out things that are creative, a podcast, um, anything on social media, a book, an article, there's going to be moments of failure. I think when you when you step up to the plate, you just have to expect that and not be surprised or let it rock your world. Um, in publishing, I mean, if I showed you the stack of rejection letters or emails that I received saying no, or even DMs on Instagram saying, hey, can you support me? Or, hey, you know, I have a question. You're, you get ignored sometimes. So you absolutely can get discouraged, but it's a question of realizing that this is part of the process and not comparing yourself to somebody else's fourth quarter. You know, it's really easy to sit there and see with, with writing anyway, to see someone you know, like Colleen Hoover, who's a mom and you're like, wow, she is killing it. And I'm trying so hard and it, and it's, it's a struggle, but 
you know, her story is not just the queen of book talk. That's not her story. And I think it's easy to get romanced by that, especially with social media. So when you're going for it and when you deal with rejection, I think you have to keep yourself in a level space and continue to self-talk that, yeah, everybody goes to rejection. Everybody's going to feel failure. You're not going to upload a podcast or drop a book on Amazon and be a number one bestseller or the most downloaded podcast, or, you know, you're just not going to be that immediately. Nobody is. And I think if we can remind ourselves of that, it, it keeps us real and it keeps us working hard and overall, it, it will make us stronger when we do get there. Cause we will, because if you're resilient and you're in your, like I am, I'm, you know, I am just a person that I've always, always felt like, why not me? Why not me? And I think if you keep yourself in that mindset, you'll get there. It's just a question of being patient. Patience. And I think what doesn't help either is the school system. And I know you're a teacher, so you can feel free to disagree with me, but I feel like there's this expectation to be good at every single thing. And when you don't get that A in that one class that maybe your brain just honestly isn't built for, you can be made to feel like a failure. And that fear of failure is almost built into us from a young age. Now, I don't know if things have changed since I was in school, but I feel like for me, that's where it came from. I recently started taking a pottery class and one of my goals is I would love to one day sell my pottery. And I see these pieces on the shelf from other artists. I'm like, will I ever be good enough that my pieces will be on the shelf? And I always remind myself, like embrace the suck and not yeah. be afraid to suck at something. Yeah. I think that's and you know listen, you're right. School can be a tricky place because we are and that's it's even it's in my book. I will be honest with you. School can be a place where we get these messages very young and we really struggle to shake them. When I was young, I, you know, thought I somebody in the second grade told me you're a good reader and threw me in a, a high reading group and here I am, right? I think that's really where I started to push myself as a reader and a writer because somebody told me you belong with that group. And it just launched me, I think, into where I was headed. I didn't know it then, right? But those messages really do stick. It's up to you to run with it and do something that you want and fill yourself up. Or it's your responsibility to thank those people. Thank you for your opinion. <laughs> and figure out how you're going to, to find what it is that you're meant for. That maybe involves something that you've got to work at. And I, I see your Instagrams. I see your pottery. And it's exciting because it's, you have, you know, you're going to go up, you're going to improve if you're ready to, to really embrace that and stay with it. And as a new mom, as a mom, listen, we are among the most patient people on earth. <laughs> I mean, as a mom, you, you be, you have patience for things you didn't even think you were capable of. And I think you should apply that to your dream. You can sit there and, you know, work and work and work with your kids. Well, you can work and work and work with yourself too, and be patient. Yes. And you brought up a good point. You said the words fill. I think you said the words fill your cup, or maybe I just imagined that, but working on your, whether you make money or not, also learning as a new mom to fill your cup in a different way that yes, our children are everything, but they also kind of can't be everything. You can't put all your, all your happiness eggs in, in that basket because I think you really do have to do something for yourself. And, and let's talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that when you become a new mom, you you're working so hard to prove to yourself that you can do it and to almost mirror what you've seen around you and maybe mirror what you were taught to do as a child yourself or do better than than what you were taught. So there's so much emotionally going on that we're trying to live up to that it can be really easy to get lost in those images and in those pictures. But I really think, you know, again, we're hearing, especially on social media and um, TV, the news, I mean, all people seem to be talking about lately is self-care, self-care, especially in wake of the pandemic and all the things that people can do to take care of themselves. What I've learned is that every single person's definition of self-care is different. Sometimes we we go towards the yoga class because that looks like self-care, or we run to get a manic or a pedicure or a facial, or we take a walk in the woods because these are the images we get often of self-care. But that was not working for me as a young mom, as a person who works full time. I didn't want to do those things. That wasn't working for me. It actually was, I remember someone told me, you should go work out. You know, I loved Zumba and dancing. And the thought of leaving my kids for another hour gave me more stress. I'm like, wait a second. Now I've got to figure out who's watching my kid during that time. How is this self-care? So it, it just, those things didn't work for me. And I think being uh, productive and finding my passion in writing again and getting involved in this project that I feel so passionately about, that was the self-care that worked for me. And even these conversations with podcasters like you and people on social media who are also going big, that's my self-care. This fuels me to do another day with my kids or to have more fun with them because I know that I did something exceptional for myself already during the day. So you have to figure that out. It takes time. It takes time to figure it out. And a lot of us spend a lot of time doing things that we think we should be doing and feeling discouraged because they're just not working. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually never thought about that, that one person's definition of self-care isn't another person's. And you're right. Like I saw this meme on social media. Stop telling new moms that a shower is self-care. It's not. And I'm like, wait, but I like freaking love a hot shower. That is self-care to me. And I think that it can be easy to, when you're inundated with these messages, especially if it's, you can, it's, it's very easy, especially on Instagram to get into this like tunnel of information and see the same things over and over again, because similar people are reposting similar things. And then you start to believe in it. But it's true. You if you do all the self-care things and you find that you're still not satisfied, then it might be a time to explore hobbies or something else that can fill your cup in a different way. Just like Melissa, you you mentioned. And I think it, it, it just, it does really what it needs to do, not only for you, but for your family. I mean, I know my kids can feel the energy shift when I'm feeling positive and when I'm productive, right? Our kids read our cues, get our, get our cues all the time. So once we figure that out, I think it can shift the whole dynamic of, of your family, really. Yes, because I feel like that's where the word resentment comes in. And I know for me, my mom, she sacrificed a lot for my sister and I. She was basically a stay-at-home mom. She worked part-time, but she didn't really go for her dreams. 
And she reminded us of that multiple times through our upbringing. And even still today, she said, I could have been this, I could have been that, but I took care of you girls. And like that, yes, it it makes me feel a little guilty for for sure. And it makes me wish that, you know, she did just go for it. Even if that meant sacrificing time with us or, you know, putting us in daycare. Like one of the things she likes to say is I never put you guys in daycare because I always stayed with you. I'm like, well, but maybe... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think, you know, times have times have changed and and she didn't have that community and support of social media that that provides that kind of cheerleader aspect of cheering each other on. Yeah, I think to moms today, we were raised that way. So we're kind of breaking ground here and doing it differently, which is uncomfortable and does absolutely um, continue to bring up that question are we enough? Are we doing enough? Are we cooking enough dinners for our kids? Are we around enough? Are we involved enough? Because we did, a lot of us have those stay-at-home moms or part-time working moms who didn't necessarily have careers. They had jobs and they, they made money and provided everything for us. But I am doing it differently. You are doing it differently, which begs the question, am I doing it right? (laughs) And I think we are. I think it's just a different generation. It's a different way of doing things. And I know our kids will be different because of it. And that's okay. Yeah. I love that. Yes. It is so different. And like, like my mom always kept a a tidy house and no laundry. And, and, and I, um, like we, like we were talking about, you know, before this podcast is before this episode started, I I love this topic because I am someone that does dedicate time to her hobbies kind of unapologetically. And it took me a while to say like, this is not selfish. This is actually self-care, but I don't come out unscathed because my house is a disaster. Truthfully, like there's so much that needs to be decluttered. There's six loads of laundry that need to be put away. So it doesn't come without its sacrifice, but it's to me, it's all worth it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that something's got to give, right? You, we can't be all things all the time. And I think it's important to be okay with that. Do I make homemade dinners every night? Absolutely not. Do I love a good McDonald's drive through You better believe it, right? And I think that we have to be okay with that. You know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to throw in a DiGiorno pizza and say, all right, guys, we're going to eat this out on the deck. And I need you to go out and play because I have just a couple things I need to get done around the house. I promise you that I don't think my kids are going to grow up saying, I can't believe mommy took us to the dump. Can you believe she, you know, made us play outside while she cleaned the kitchen? I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's just the the unfortunate tape in our heads that we're, we're really desperately trying to change. Because because I'm with you. I always have laundry in the dryer. If my dryer's empty, it's like a shock. Like what, what, <laughs> You know, it's like a shock. And I think that's okay. I I really do. I think it's it's more than okay. And I think most people, when they admit what's really going on behind the scenes, will tell you, yeah, me too. It's just a question of being honest about it and being okay with it. Yes. Wait. And I bet your kids are like, wait, she's the best mom. She takes us to (laughs) McDonald's. She puts a we're having to journal pizza. That's amazing. Like, I mean, they they don't care. They're just, you know, the thing that they care about is when uh, at the end of the day, they want me to sit down and play a game with them. If I say no, that's what they care about. So I'm learning that it's really the quality time and 
spending an hour cooking a home cooked meal is lovely, but my kids don't care. They want me to play with them or they want me to put them on a swing or right. They want me to sit down and, and watch that godforsaken cocoa melon or whatever. Oh, I know it's a whole thing, but yeah, I mean, we do what we can do and the quality is, is way more important than anything else. Preach sister. Let's talk about imposter syndrome. So I'm sure you have had this experience because I'm having it or I have had it multiple times. When can I, I feel like now I can call myself a podcaster, but when I was starting, like, can I call myself a podcaster or even doing pottery? When have I earned the title of being an artist? Have you felt like that when writing your book and calling yourself an author? A hundred percent. I think... I think most people, I think that's just the way you feel when you're starting out. I remember I, when I first started writing this book, I, you know, I, began. I told my students, I'm like, we're going to, I'm going to show you guys, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I made this Instagram page and I woke up the next day. I was like, where are all my followers? Like, where where am I? (laughs) That what's happening? You know, you, you, you get this moment where you're like, well, this this is going to be harder than I thought. Right. And then it becomes a lot harder than you thought. So yeah, you absolutely question yourself throughout the entire process. And you have to remember, I am an English teacher. I teach people how to write for a living. And I read and teach kids about books for a living, high school kids. So for me, I thought, gosh, what if I write this book and I'm not you know, what I keep preaching to these kids or what if, right? The what ifs come in. What if there's a typo in the book and then they think, oh my gosh, she can't write or, you know, what if, right? And I also felt really strongly that I got a traditional publishing contract for because for me, I thought, you know, that's publishing. If I self-publish, you know, I need to validate, right? All these things. So yes, imposter syndrome, 110%. And even after I secured my publishing deal, you know, it came in another wave of, can I pull through for G&D Media, who are the most amazing publishers on the planet? You know, now I have to pull through. Now I have to sell this book. And I'm, I think I'm working harder now than I did in the beginning because now it's continuing to prove myself. And how do I get rid of that? I keep telling myself it's Brene Brown all the way. I don't know if you're familiar with her work. Love her. But she has that, her, her mantra of if you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your opinion. And that is honestly that thinking is how I keep myself motivated because people are going to criticize you. People are not going to love my book. People are not, are going to download your podcast and say it's not for them, right? It's just going to happen. But are they writing books and producing podcasts? Are they going for their dreams? Are they being vulnerable? Are they putting themselves out there? I don't know, but it's none of my business. It's it's about really doing this for me, for my kids. And, and however this lands, so be it. I did the mm-hmm. best I could. And that is how I, I kind of quell that imposter syndrome. I, I think, well, I can't be an imposter because I'm doing it. And you're only an imposter if you're pretending to do it. So yes. Right. Yeah. Doing it. And it, it might be great. It might be messy and it might be a great success and it might, you know, not be, but you're doing it. So you're ahead of most people, honestly. This episode is sponsored by Credem. Did you know that over 70% of children do not consume adequate nutrients from their diet? This is why I'm working with Credem.com. Credem.com is a distributor of all natural and eco-friendly home skin and health products created by Shackley. These products are clinically tested and clinically proven. 
One of the things I love about Credem and the Shackley products are their focus on children and mothers. They offer personalized vitamin packs for the children and adults called Neology, and they come in gummy or pill form. What is great is that they offer higher discounts on the Miology Kids packs for the more kids you have. Also, starting in November, they will be releasing their pre- and postnatal line to help support mothers and their children in such an important time in their life. Credem also offers ways to become a distributor yourself and make extra income all from home. For a limited time, any purchase on Credem.com will enter you to win one free month of Miology Kids personalized gummy packs. If you want to learn more, go to Credem.com. Dot com, that is C-R-E-I-D-M.com. Or check them out on Instagram at Credem Life. I'll have their info in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. Now, let's get back to the show. I feel like if anyone's kind of going through that imposter syndrome, if you showed up, like you're doing, you're doing the work, and exactly, people are absolutely going to hate what you're doing. I feel like that's a making peace with that reality. Like the sky is blue. The grass is green. People are going to hate what I do, (laughs) but then some people are going to freaking love it. So that that's all that matters. And and doing it for yourself too, I feel like is the most part important part. Like I remember when I started my podcast, I remember thinking like, I don't really need people to listen. Like I just want a body of work that I'm proud of. And that was my why and why I kept going. And it just, essentially turned successful in my eyes. It's doing it for you. Like that's the most important part. You're not doing it for anyone else. Yeah. And I think most success in life does come from a really humble passion that you have every intention to put something good out in the world. And then the good things kind of follow. I think if you put things out to make money, make it big and, you know, Oh my gosh. Right intention. I think the intention is to put something out there that you're proud of, serve people and hope for the best. And that's usually what I've always found is where the people just kind of show up for you because you've been there just showing up for them. That, okay. That is so, so true. I think a lot of people start things for inauthentic reasons. Well, I guess I don't want to call, you know, wanting to make money inauthentic. That's authentic too, in a sense, but It's not what's going to keep you motivated and going when the going gets tough. When, and a lot, like we said, like a lot of it doesn't happen overnight. It's a grind. Like my sister is a successful YouTuber. She has like 130,000 subscribers. She's making good money doing it, but she's also been doing it for years. She's been producing YouTube videos for three years where no one was watching her. And it's like, how do you how do you stay motivated when no one's looking? And that's when you double down on your why, because it's certainly not the paycheck. Right. And I think <laughs> right. And I think too that, you know, you just keep showing up, like you said. And the easy thing is to quit. I mean, how easy would it yes. be? I, I always say this. I'm like, it would have been pretty easy for me to continue being a teacher, which I, I am, you know, being a good wife, enjoying my children and just kind of shelving this dream and saying, well, you know, my life took a different path. But I feel like there was always this little voice like for you, like for your sister that said, no, this is this is my my path. This is something that's pulling at my heart. And when it pulls at your heart and you go for it, I don't know how, but it, it just kind of works itself out. You just got to stick with it. I wait. I love that because I feel like we all have had that little voice in my head. I've always wanted to insert yeah. whatever here. 
could be run a marathon. It could be like whatever you've wanted to do. And that's where I think also, I feel like as mothers, like I know when I became a mom, I feel like I became 10 times more creative. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like physiologically, like I gave birth and like my insides exploded and my mind just like exploded with this creativity that I didn't know was there. Like, did you have that kind of experience? 100%. It's so funny because I have three boys and when I had my third, I was it was hysterical. I went to work and that's when I started really going in 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 going after this writing and, and doing it. I'm like, I feel like I have like this mat. It's like magic. It feels like creative magic. And I would joke with the girls at work. I'm like, you, you know, so they would have a baby and, and all of a sudden we'd start talking about projects. I'm like, she's got the creative baby magic. It, 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 it's true. <laughs> I think you feel like, wait a second, I can do that. I could do it. What do you need me to do? I'll, I'm in like, you really feel like, I can pretty much do anything. I made a miracle. I used to joke with my husband when he would say, I need to do this. I'm like, listen, I'm making life over here. I can't help you right now, but it's the truth. It's magical. So yeah, of course you're more creative because look what you just did. And then when your kids start to listen, kids are amazing. They play with their food, they draw, they paint. Everything is amazing to kids. And suddenly you start to see things differently through their eyes and different possibilities um, just seem to pop up. I agree with you 100%. I don't think people talk about that. I I believe there's baby magic. I I do. Yes. Because, okay, yes. Are we tired? Yes. But I don't know. We're also like 10 times more energetic in other ways. And you find time. It's, It's true. And I feel like I've known, and you have probably too, I've known a lot of women who have started things when it was impossible to start something because they were so tired, busy with house stuff. Like it's, it really is baby magic. I love that. That is so, that is so true. And probably with each child that you had, it probably increased. And then the third one, you're like, I'm writing a book. Look right. at what I and did. My, like, I boys. So by the time my third boy, I'm like, Oh, I got this. You know, I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know what this guy needs, you know? And it just, you become more confident as a mom, as you go, as we all know, every day you, you grow a little bit more and you become a little bit more confident. And I think that that also gives you the audacity, right? It gives you the, the kind of chutzpah to say, watch me do this now. Right. And your kids will follow. I mean, I am telling you, my kids are still very small, but they say things. And I'm sure you too, like you're going to hear things like podcast is going to be a household name. You know, these things that we didn't grow up with are going to be just the norm for our kids, which is such a gift. You know, it's such a gift. Yeah. That's so cool. So moms listening, it can be really humbling having a child or children, but remember that you birthed a human, like you grew something in your body and you birthed it and you were made, we were made to do this. I feel like, like if you were made to do that, like, why can't you write that book, start that podcast, become that painter? Like you really can do anything. And I think sometimes we do forget. We forget when we're in the thick of the hard stuff that we really can do it. For sure. It's easy to forget. I mean, we're, yeah. we're inundated with all the musts we have to do during the day. So yeah, great advice. I love that. That was my little stint as a motivational speaker. You gave a motivational high school talk, right? Which kind of inspired you to write this book, Beyond the Bell. 
Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your book? You know, I've been teaching high school for two decades. So yes, in case um, anyone's unclear, I've been, I started when I was 12 years old and I, um, I just always worked with seniors and 10th graders and I teach public speaking and it was 2019 that year, I was kind of trying to come up with some different fun things that I could do with my public speaking class. And I've always been into um, self-help books. I love speakers like Ed Milet and I love Gabby Bernstein. And, and I just thought to myself, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I taught my students kind of the structure of motivational speaking? And in doing that, I gave them a motivational speak about going for it and about trying to give motivational, you know, I was trying to motivate them to do it. And it just was such a magical moment in the classroom because kids stepped up to the plate and started to tell motivational stories. And I was just blown away. I mean, man, if you ever have the chance to just be in a room with teenagers, I mean, there's, that is magic. And this particular group of kids just gave me the courage to go big because I saw them getting up there and saying things that as a high school kid, like that vulnerable, they were amazing. So it was that year that I promised them that I'm going to do this too. And I just started one night typing on my thumbs, right? From my smartphone, <laughs> I started typing the first chapter of my book. I actually have an advanced reader copy right here. I'll show you. I'm so excited. I started typing the first chapter of my book and the same beginning words are still here in the, you know, gosh, I don't even know how many drafts later, but it's, I wish someone did this for me when I was in high school. And it's, you know, a book filled with all those things that we wish we knew when we were younger, um, that we need to remember as we grow and really how to embrace the uncertainty and welcome the fear that is the coming of age. So it kind of takes you through um, stories of graduation, going away to college, uh, moving on to figure out what you want to do with your life, going on those first couple of interviews when you're just a mess. You know, <laughs> if you look back on some of the first jobs you went for and some of the funny things you said or did, right. It's, it's kind of frightening. Whoa. And then it takes you through a bunch of, you know, setbacks growing up, things that I've experienced, but also a lot of examples from my students to remind kids that they're not alone. And, um, yeah. And the last chapter is, oh, I also take you through relationships. I think relationships are really tricky during that coming of age process, college, high school, after college. And, you know, we're finding the one, as they say, we all think it's going to be magical. And it's so not for so many of us, we get our heart broken. And I talk a lot about that in the book. And then, you know, graduating with grace and going for it. So I am so proud of this book. It really is a lifelong dream for me to put it out into the world. And, um, I honestly think it took my whole life to be in a position where I could write this book. I, I really do. I think it took my whole life to be brave enough to put this out into the world and be vulnerable enough to share things about myself that not only high school and college kids need, but most of us need to hear about like mental health, like depression and how to pull ourselves up when we feel like, man, this life is beating us up. So yeah, thank, I'm so excited to share it with with your listeners, with my students and, and all the other kids out there that just need a little extra punch and, and also prove to the moms that, you know, I have three kids, I have three kids and you can do it. 
you can absolutely do it. This was my biggest dream to see this book in Barnes and Noble. And in a month it will be coming true. So I can't, yeah. I can't wait to see it in the wild. Like it's oh, going to be so cool. September 6th. And um, yeah, it's been, the pre-order has been going great. I mean, I've been watching it climb up on Amazon and it's, it's just a surreal feeling that, you know, I'm like, all right, I know my mom and my husband are not buying all the copies. So people <laughs> are buying this thing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, people are buying this thing. Right. So it's been so exciting. It's been the biggest thrill. And I, I just think everybody should, should put the time in and, and trust and believe in themselves because it's, it's so rewarding. It really has been a, an unbelievable journey continues to be an unbelievable journey. And I'm meeting incredible people like look at, you know, I'm sitting with you this morning and it's, it's, it's a thrill. It really is. I love that. I love you're right. When you start a hobby or something like that, it usually it can involve other people. And that's, what's also fun too, is when you're, you know, being a mom can be really lonely. And sometimes our hobbies do allow us to open doors to new relationships and it could be really fun. But I did want to say one, your book sounds amazing, something I wish I had, but it also just made me reflect of, wow, how much has changed? Like, do you remember graduating high school? Yeah. (laughs) How different is your life? Like how different, like, did you ever imagine where you're sitting today to be like when you were 18? You know what I mean? Doesn't it feel like you live 10 different lives? It a hundred percent does. And I think that, you know, for me, I've been with high school students you know, a great part of my life at this point. So it, it's a daily reminder of how far that I've come. But I think when you look back at your high school stuff, that's why I love that um, viral uh, reel and TikTok that's been going around about the cool kids. Have you seen that? When no. back on their lives, it's like, I, you know, that song, I wish I could be like the oh, cool yeah, kids. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that. You're looking back at your younger self and it's, oh, you know, you I know the trend you're thinking of. Yeah. That's all you want as a kid is to be the cool kid. And most of us slip right into exactly where we're supposed to be. Um, so yeah, when you look back, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, the things that you were into the people you surrounded yourself with, which I think high school kids and all people on a daily basis should assess who they hang with, because that really does shift and change uh, how you live your life and how you um, navigate this world. You know, as a new mom, who you have to surround yourself with people who love and support you, no matter what's going on. And you got to assess that often, because sometimes we we make big mistakes in the people that we surround ourselves with. And um, yep. yeah, there's just so much that I'm excited to share in the book and, and through all this talking that I've been doing, I've learned so much. I hope I can save some people from making some of the mistakes I've made, honestly. Yeah. Or just make people feel less alone. Like I feel like a lot of what we learn when we navigate life after high school, we take with us for the rest of our lives because I feel like life happens in these these chapters, and then there's this big transition, right? So graduating high school, you may go to college, you might not, but usually the people in your circle in your life does change. And then after after graduating college and getting your first job or not getting your first job, a new set of people or a new set of transitions and changes, your first heartbreak, getting married, getting divorced, 
having a child. Like there's a lot that happens in our life. And I feel like graduating high school is kind of the start of adulthood where you can emotionally understand what's happening. Because yes, you, you go through changes when you're in your young, young life as well. But I feel like when you're in those later teens, you have the emotional emotional maturity to understand what's happening to you. Yeah. And I, I really believe that focusing on our wins, even as high schoolers, even as young adults is really important. We discount, I think, a lot of the things that we accomplish when we're younger because we feel like, well, you know, people are always asking, what are you going to do after high school? Oh, what are you going to be? Where are you going to go? We the worst. And we're so focused on the long term that we don't allow ourselves to celebrate and build on the wins we've already had, right? I mean, not everybody graduates high school. So mm -hmm. if you've done that, if you've had that experience, like good for you. If you're showing up on a daily basis for whatever it is you want to do, your job, good for you. Not everybody does that. And I don't think we celebrate enough along the way to adulthood, the things that really have will build who we become. And I teach my students, your values, the core of who you really are is probably the thing that you'll never lose. You'll take with you forever. And, um, you know, it's, it comes out in every aspect of your life, who you marry, how you raise your kids, what job you pursue, your, your core values just seem to continue to speak, um, for you. So it's just an exciting time. And I think it's important to remember that and celebrate the journey, even if it's, <laughs> often rocky. We have to acknowledge that too. But that's life, right? Like it's, it's like, I guess running a marathon, like it's not going to be really great, but when you're at the finish line, you've won, like, it's just, I don't know. I feel like we are, you're right. We're winners in the moment. Oh, that's sorry. I have so many thoughts. I hate that. I hated that. <laughs> it was always living in the future. You're right. Like it was always when you were in middle school, like doing well to get in, like what high school or where you get placed in high school. And then like, where are you going to college? Where are you going to get a job? But the questions do stop at a certain point. And I think it can be, that can be challenging too, because all of a sudden you're 30 and no one's asking you, you know, where do you think you're going to be at 40? So it's, it, which is hard, I think. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, oh my gosh, did I miss it? Oh my gosh, did I do enough? Oh my God. You know, it's just such a crazy thing that we uh, we endure when people are coming out of, you have to silence all of that. You really have to block that out um, because you, you can get caught up in just the wrong path. And that's what happens a lot of times when we're young. We get caught up in what people are telling us to do, asking us to do. And again, it, it applies to even going back to being a young mom, what it should look like, how we should act, how we should navigate through it. And at the, at the end of the day, the answers are within us. We just have to listen. I love that. Melissa. I loved talking to you. This was awesome. Oh, you're a gem. I really, I'm so grateful to be here with you this morning. I feel like we are, we're so on the same page and you're just a person that I'm excited to be surrounded by, you know? Yes. And share with everyone where they can find you and then where they can purchase your book. Sure. So I'm on Instagram daily at Perch Gets Published. That's the Instagram account that I created to show my students that we can do it. 
And um, I am also on Twitter at Perch Melissa. And you can check out my website at melissaperch.com. And like I said, my book is now on pre-sale on Amazon, Target, Walmart, all over the place, Barnes and Noble. So I hope you'll go out and pre-order your copy and it will be official September 6th. Yay. So excited for you. All right, Melissa, have a great day. And for everyone listening, catch us back next week for the next episode. Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mamas podcast. This podcast was created to help first-time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.